All right, everybody, I'm super excited to be back. Um, I know I took some time off of Miracle Theory, but I'm back in my makeshift house studio. As you know, my name is Trinity. I'm the host of Miracle Theory, and we are jumping back into it with a great guest this evening. He's going to tell us um, about some amazing and very experiences um, that I think you guys will absolutely love and take something great away from. So without further ado, um, we're going to talk with Yara this evening. Um, and Yara, I'm just going to have you introduce yourself a little bit more, maybe your name, full name, age, where you're originally from, and then um, tell me what your biggest fear is as well. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, Yara Phoenix is the name of my YouTube channel. Uh, my name is Joey, but uh, people call me Yara Phoenix or, you know, kind of like a, you know, alter ego. Uh, I was born and raised in Hawaii. Uh, I have five older kids. Um, they're all pretty much out of the house. Um, my biggest fear actually are frogs. Really? Why frogs? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I think they're just like a really creepy creature. And <laughs> I, yeah, I don't like them. You know what? They are pretty slimy and gross now that you mention it. Um, but okay, so thank you very much for that intro. Um, next, I usually have my guests think about all of their experiences and sum them up into one like title. Like if you were gonna write a book about your entire life, what would you title that book? Wow, uh, my entire life, what would I call that book? Uh, geez, you know, I don't know. Like if I, if I could put a name of uh, like all of my travels, um, it would be called something like if my backpack would speak, because um, everywhere, yeah, every experience that I've ever had, I always had my backpack. You know, it's kind of my my uniform when I went out uh, vlogging, when I was traveling and stuff like that. But uh, you know, a title for my whole life would be a little bit more complicating. I think I'd have to put more thought into that. We can do the backpack. Now, was it the same backpack the entire time? Yeah, it was. It was. It was okay. actually. A a video about the backpack itself at one point but i but i oh, didn't that's awesome no i get it i have a backpack i've been using for years too so that's a good title actually about that backpack i've seen a lot so that's a good one okay. um okay well um again thank you for that so this next portion of the show is basically where we're just going to talk i'm going to ask you questions about your experiences and we'll just um talk about as much as you want so I want to start off uh, this portion. I know we talked a little bit before this interview recording, and you told me a lot about your outreach work and how you worked with a lot of nonprofits. And I want to know when you started that work, maybe how recent was it? And then um, I want you to tell us what really drew you to that type of work. Uh, I started getting into social services around 2015. Uh, Officially, um, from about maybe 2005 or 2006, like I would take my my family around town, like we would cook up some meals and feed the homeless and kind of do outreach as a family. But I started to get into it as a sponsor and as a social services worker around 2015, 2016. Okay, so pretty recent. Yeah, no, that's cool. 
um, why you just kind of felt within your heart, like you saw people on the street and you were wanting to do something about it? Yeah, um, uh, I used to, you know, like when we were younger, you know, I'm a little bit older, we only had a few channels. And like there was a lot of, uh, sorry about that. There's a lot of uh, uh, infomercials and there was a lot of those feed the children commercials that I always, you know, were, were stuck watching. And I always, you know, it felt like, like, wow, you know, these, these kids are like, I was a kid myself and I would see these commercials, like they're out there somewhere in the world, you know, and like they, of course, in the commercial, you know, they show the, the most graphic, extreme part of the hunger and the poverty, you know, with flies and, you know, they have big heads and swollen bellies and, you know, malnourished and their ribs showing a thing like that. And it, it always kind of stuck out, um, you know, to me, I always had a heart uh, for the homeless and for people in that part of the world. Uh, so yeah, like maybe like five, six years ago, I started, I decided just to do it as a career. Yeah. That's really special. That's really special. I don't feel like a lot of people kind of look too deeply when they see those types of commercials and things. And I know exactly what you're talking about. Like the malnourished, the swollen bellies, all of that. Definitely. Um, so I commend you. That's such great work. Um, so now thinking back to all of that work, it seems like over the, you said maybe last five, six years, you probably have worked in a variety of places maybe for a variety of companies or whatever it may have been. Um, I would like you to tell us what your day-to-day -day was like. Maybe think back to even one place um, that had a pretty, you know, heavy responsibility for what you do day-to-day. -day. Um, what was the hardest thing about working there? And then I think you can tell us if you felt your life was ever at risk working for any of these companies. Okay. Um, well, when I first started, I was doing outreach in Hawaii, um, down, you know, near the beach areas and the camp areas. Then I worked at a men's shelter, but my, uh, my most experience came when I was in India. I went in 2018 and 2019, did two internships for a large NGO. Um, the hardest part I think, um, was the language barrier. Uh, I know the first time that I went there, it was, you know, a translator is not always available all the time. I mean, they have a real shortage of social workers as it is uh, at the NGO. There's many moving parts. So when I went to, uh, you know, first of all, it took me nine months to to get approved. When I started to, when I got into social services, it was like, hey, you know, if you really want to climb the ladder, you know, you go to school, you know, you get a master's degree or you get a human services degree. And I was a little older and I, I didn't want to really go to school. And they were like, hey, if you can get a, do an internship, you know, somewhere, I don't know what your life situation is, but if you're able to do that, you know, that'll bypass the X amount of years of school as far as uh, field experience okay. uh, and relevancy. So I decided to do that. It took me nine months, you know, a lot of scammers a lot of people that want to you know they make fake websites and want you to, to pay for these internships and their scams oh. so the, this took me a long time to kind of really uh, verify you know which ones were legit or not mm -hmm. when i when when i decided to do that when i when i got there and i spoke with the volunteer coordinator they were giving each intern a uh, an assignment you know depending what kind of background you came from if you were a psychology major or doctor or like you know if you were just like a sociologist or something or, or a journalist or whatever um so like I, my first time that i went i was assigned to work at a boys shelter home right near the metro station it was called tizazari metro it was in uh, new delhi and it was a high traffic area and it was all for boys 
that were mainly rescued out of child labor camps, uh, sweatshops, so to speak, uh, railways, uh, and uh, human trafficking. So, like, what they wanted me to do, because I wasn't a teacher by trade, you know, I was more of less like in, and more of like an outreach worker. You know, I worked with youth. So they were saying, hey, you know, like, could you try to, you know, teach the the boys English? You know, could could you try to? And I was like, well. You know, so I was like, okay, you know, let me let me try to see what I can do. So this was like on a Thursday, and uh, um, you know, I I went on the rooftop. A lot of things like in the Middle East or in in India are you know like you go on the rooftop to do whatever you eat on the rooftop, you do whatever. So I went up there, and I and I went on YouTube and I did a lot of research you know, as an English second language to to try to find some modules or some things that I can uh I can teach because a lot of Already of the the kids there are way below proficiency level. Like they're okay. way below. Like it's kind of vice versa because you get a fourteen year old kid that that can't speak English very well, but you get a five or six year old kid that could. You know, so it's just like it, it it's right. it's yeah. So they were like, hey, you know, the, just by the English that you can speak now, you know, that's the, you that's good enough to teach some of the boys. You know, we we just want them to learn basic, you know, basic uh, greetings and uh things like that. So. You know, I looked up a couple of lessons and I and, and I and I tried, you know, and I, and I did it. You know, I did uh, four or five hours a day, maybe three classes, 45 minutes each, you know, breaks in between. Um, it was really challenging because, you know, not everywhere you go, like you're 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 welcome with open arms. You know, like a lot of people view like Americans, you know, like there's there's like, you know, like, oh, you automatically have so much money that you can come here and, you know, like you're you're. You know, I I showed one of them a picture of my house, and I was living in a house in in uh in Hawaii, and it was just a regular house. And it's like they're looking at this house, it's like, wow, you know, you must make so much money. Sure, you yeah. Know, you're living in America, um, but but uh, the, one of the the biggest challenges was not having a translator and not being uh accepted all the time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I can. <laughs> so you you started this outreach work, kind of locally where you live. And then you to take it a step further. So you went to get an internship through this other company who sent you to India and without any actual like teaching certification, you were kind of told to just teach these super, you know, vulnerable children a whole new language. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's so dramatically because like the next week they were like, Hey, you know, do you know anything on substance abuse? I'm like, Well, you know, in America, it's like methamphetamine, it's heroin, it's pills. Like in India, it's like it's tobacco and it's inhalants. Oh, you know, for okay. Children, it's inhalants because they use it to kill a lot of the hunger, you know, when they're begging because they okay. go to two, three days without without uh, eating a lot of the times. And we, we would run into a lot of them, you know, doing uh, work in the slums or even in the shelter homes as it is, like on inhalants. So I was like, well, you know. Of course, with the almighty internet, or well, let me see, you know, what I can, what I can do, or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, so change, or you go into social skills, or like uh, teaching boys hygiene, you know, teaching them uh, like uh, etiquette when they're eating. You know, it's just a lot of, lot of different things. Wow, yeah, that must have been very difficult. Plus, you, these kids don't know you. You're like a foreign stranger for them, right? So they have to probably wrap their minds around that too. Um, now, when you were out doing all of this field work and teaching all of these things, you said, you know, part of the challenge is not feeling accepted. Did any part of you feel like you were in imminent danger? Like, oh, like 
wow, this is a very unsafe place for me to be. Did you ever feel that way? Uh, when I was in the shelter homes, not at all. Um, both of the years, the next year I worked at a, a one for little kids, a drop-in center. But when I did, um, I did outreach work because I had a friend uh, that I sought out and uh, he did tours and I befriended him and, and, and he took me privately and I paid him. You know, he would be a translator slash oh, tour guide. Wow. Had a good rapport with with a lot of the people in the slums because he's been there for years. So I paid him, and he'd take me in the slums, and like he'd have a little conversation with me, like, "Hey, you know, if I tell you just not to film, do you have any problem not filming?" I'm like, "No, I don't have a problem not filming. Like, I'll just turn the camera off." So like, there was a few times where you know, like, you know, we thought it was okay to film, and you know, people were like, "Hey, you know, they feel like I'm exploiting them because they don't know if I'm like a YouTube person or a journalist making a hundred thousand dollars a year right. or getting." videos in the slums like which i wasn't you know like i was just uh, uh just a worker right. so i did a lot of the times i were threatened like not with any weapons or with violence but i was told pretty aggressively to leave a few times so that was kind of like the the, the extent of that okay so pr like still pretty unnerving considering this is not any place you're familiar with either so i'd imagine in general it was, you're probably pretty wary um now seems like you have a million and one stories you seem to have seen a lot of things heard a lot of things um is there any or a few experiences that you can think back positive or negative that like really stand out to you whether they were like really scary or really great um and does that experience kind of change your perspective on life a little bit maybe change the perspective of yourself or the world i mean you've been to a place probably a lot of people have not uh, I mean, yeah, there's a few. Um, one of them was like, uh, I remember like going to an ATM and it's like when you go to an ATM and a lot of places like a phone booth, you know, there's like a little door and you shut it and you go in the in the ATM and there's always like a security guard sitting there with a shotgun and half of the time he's sleeping, like no joke, like he's sleeping. So like I would go to this ATM every day to like, you know, every other day or whatever to withdraw some money. And like I noticed it was this guy just always kind of lurking in the background in the shadow. So one day, you know, he, he comes and he approaches me and he's like, hey, you know, I see you, you know, you're always, uh, you know, uh, walking up and down this road. You know, I see with the children, because sometimes after I would work, like some of the children would be collecting bottles or begging. They would recognize me and stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, hey, you know, like I'm from America, you know, blah, blah, blah. I work with the children. I'm doing this at this NGO. So he's like, hey, you know, like, uh, what do you do after work? And I'm like, no, you know, I just go out and eat or I go shopping or I go back to my room or whatever. So he's like, you know, are you looking for something to smoke? You know, are you looking for any kind of, of drugs? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. Like, I'm, I don't do any of that kind of stuff. You know, he's like, you know, are you looking for any women? And I'm like, no, no, I'm certainly not looking for any women. So he, he, he steps in front of me to stop me when I'm walking and he looks at me and he stops me. He puts one hand on each of my shoulders and looks me in the eye. He goes, he goes, you, you, are you interested in, in any children basically like like quote unquote wanna you know and, and he puts his hand on his in a gesture as like how how tall they are he's like are you interested you know and i kind of knew that as kind of like a lingo of like okay like i said no you know like no yeah. no it's like well you know like you know you you let me know basically you know like and i shared it with my friend that i was mentioning earlier uh, that took me on these tours and he's like yeah you know he said oh where were you and I'm like oh I was on this street and he's like yeah that's that's a that's a high area you know for that um you know and, and that was one incident there's probably like maybe five or six and 
what changed my perspective is just like it happens like everywhere like here in in the, the pacific northwest in america in asia in every country and it really turned the light bulb on to be like to to actually be confronted and to have someone look you in the eye as another human being physically touching you and make you a prop a proposition or an offer or a suggestion like that is just like like and I, and and I'm part of the 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 solution so to speak like I'm part of the greater good air trying to combat that and it's like I have somebody who's like like you know what I mean it's just like okay um it's almost but, like exactly what you were there to fight was right up in your face almost like challenging you did any part of you want to like fight or yell or be like no that's disgusting like what yeah, that was actually like the third time. The first time it happened, it was in Calcutta, and it was it was it was different because I didn't find out exactly what was going on till later. Like okay. when we got um, uh, they were arguing, and I, I I was having a conversation with my friend. He was like, "Hey, basically, you know, this lady one was asking if because you know she she recognized you as a foreigner, if you were interested in one of her children, because a lot of times foreigners will bring people like Indians in there to translate." you know, to, to find them a deal or whatever, you know? Yeah. So that's what they assumed that I was doing. And I, I was like, Oh, you know, no, no, like, you know, like, and yeah, like I, like, I remember just feeling like after I left to my room, like I went out to get something to eat and I was watching uh cricket on like this big screen in this restaurant. And I was like having a beer, I think with my meal. And I was kind of like sitting, sinking in thinking like, man, you know, like of all the videos I've ever watched and all the workshops and seminars that I've ever been to and all the training that I've ever been on the com computer, it's it's a much different feeling to, to have it happen in front of you, like in real life. Yeah. I, oh, my God. I cannot even imagine. Plus, thinking about how that really does happen everywhere, like everywhere, no matter how, you know, no matter what country or third world or not or wherever. You know, I've heard things about Portland. It's just very unnerving. And to talk to someone who's actually seen that firsthand, you know, I, I really wanted people to hear this as well because I think it's something that we really don't, like it's never talked about in the media, never. I rarely hear it, maybe a story on the news, like on Yahoo or whatever, but it's never on TV or easily read about. Yeah. So that. Um, so considering, you know, this must have been like, you probably carry those thoughts and feelings with you about how terrible that was. Um, and, you know, being in and out of the slums and like seeing all these wild, unimaginable things and like dark places. Do you, can you think back about um, maybe a, a miraculous moment? I have it typed up in my question here um, as, if there is a point in your journey where you feel like you personally have experienced what you might consider a miracle, whether that be, you know, helping a child or escaping from somewhere, can you think back on what that might be? Uh, well, something that really stood out to me was like the second time that I came back. The first time that I went, I worked at the boys' shelter homes. The second time that I went back, I worked uh, at the drop-in center where the, the, the main office was. And there was a kid that I didn't even recognize 
um, I think there was like 55 kids in the shelter home in the first time that I went and, and he recognized me and I was like, you know, they have interns year round and it's like, you know, and there's a lot of them, quite a few of them okay. and they, they, they go through them. So it's like when he remembered me, he was telling the other social worker and I was like, wow, you know, for him to, to remember me and, and we spoke and it's like, he remembers some of the stuff that we were going over. It, it kind of like, wow, you know, like I'm just like a drop in the bucket, so to speak, for an intern that came from an island, you know, in the middle of the ocean to 8,000 something miles away to a, to a town in India to work at a shelter home for just a short amount of time. And for to come back a year later, like 13 months later for a 12 year old kid to remember, you know, something I was like, wow, you know, like, like, like a miracle. You know, no. I mean, I I've seen other things like in in slums where like I've I've seen. You know, I've heard stories and and I've seen like like from one year to to the next year of of people that were literally looking like they were gonna die, like malnourished wise, that were rescued by sponsorship agencies or NGOs that that are now like going to school or are now going getting vocational training or yeah. like learn how to sew and things like that like the girls you know like it, it, from coming off of begging or being rescued from a brothel or something like that so like i've i've heard a lot of those stories okay so maybe not so much yourself experience something of a miracle but in a way pretty miraculous that the tiniest thing that you might do that seems small to you is huge for someone who's maybe vulnerable or underprivileged which is I mean, uh, you're right, a small child, 12 years old, to remember you a year later from way back when is, you know, honestly, yeah, very miraculous in itself because for all you know, you could have saved his life or made him think differently or whatever it might have been, it was amazing, you know, which is probably a great testament to every all the work you've done. I'm sure there's been so many moments, rewarding moments throughout this journey, which is great, yeah a lot yeah oh god i'm sure um so now this might this is i love this question because it's interesting to see what people say uh if you could go back in time and the story does not change you can't change anything but if you could give advice to your younger self what would you tell yourself i could give advice to my younger self it's really like you know, you don't know the pain that people are carrying, you know, like you don't know what people are going through when you see them, you know, wherever it may be, if it's at a grocery store, or if it's at like your job or just passing by, like you, you never know what people are, are going through and you need to be equally compassionate and empathetic towards everyone and not be just biased of whatever reason or whatever you're biased about. Like you really have to because you don't know, like, even if the person drives a nice car or has nice clothes, like, you could be going through some kind of pain that's unimaginable, and he or she, you know, we, we never know. You just never know. So you would remind yourself of this? Like, you would go back and remind yourself of this? Yeah. Um, yeah, of course, because, you know, when I was younger, and a lot of us, when we're younger, we, we kind of have this me thing, you know, it's just about me, and we don't look at the big picture, you know, or it's just me and my family, or me and my spouse, or me and my siblings, 
nobody's gonna gonna think about these people across the world that are surviving on you know 50 cents or a dollar a day right yeah that in this kind of as as unsheltered as it seems sometimes we're still very sheltered in terms of what we really don't know like all like like pretty much most of what you told me today i did not know about you know um even about knowing how to be an intern and going to the organization like it's a whole process that you taught yourself you know which i'm sure took patience and courage and all of these things so i think that's great advice um i think you know remembering we're all human and to be compassionate and i really like what you said about um, you know you don't know what everyone is carrying what kind of pain they're carrying i think that's a great way to put it um, because what might not really seem like a big deal on the outside could be huge for this person. So um, that's great. Thank you for that piece of advice. I think people are gonna have a good reminder um, through this episode. So my last question to kind of wrap up, um, thinking about there are people watching this, there's people who are going to listen and take away something. And I was hoping you could think about the audience um, and what is something you might suggest to the audience, recommend to them, or even wish that they knew about, whether it be a program or another piece of advice or something that you could, like, if you could get your message out, what would it be? Um, well, you know, child sponsorship really, really helps. And it's really, you know, it really works. And, you know, it might not be for everyone, but in comparison you know, if you're paying $30, $35 a month for one child, like if you go out to lunch with, you know, a friend, it's about $30, $35 for two people. Yeah. And yeah. You can really provide, you know, necessities and vital, you know, things that, that, that kids and families need, you know, just for that amount for a whole month, you know, like, and we, I feel that a lot of us, even though like we're struggling, we can put that aside. You know, like a lot of us spend more than that on coffee in a, in a couple of days or a week, Right. you know, and to just research, you know, even on human trafficking, like take a little bit of time to research, you know, to, to just educate yourself because it's a lot more widespread than people think. Mm -hmm. And it, it's definitely probably happening in your town or wherever you are. There's, I almost guarantee you there's some kind of case or some kind of something going on wherever you live. That's how widespread it is. Um, but just educate yourself kind of. You know, like it's always, uh, you know, it, it, it's getting better, but it's getting worse. You know, there's a lot more people that, that are getting um, educated on it, but it's, it's, it's getting worse, so to speak, globally. So look into child sponsorship, you know, in any country with any organization, like use your Google bar on your phone to do that instead of looking up other things. You know, at least kind of like enter that into your, your mind to see where it takes you. Okay, that's great. Great <laughs> That's a perfect piece of advice, especially considering everything you just told us. I would love to get some resources from you and I'll put them with the video. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for your words of wisdom and everything you've told us so far. Are you doing any sort of work like this today or at this time or you kind of moved on? Uh, no, like I haven't been doing it, uh, you know, in the last couple of months, you know, with COVID and stuff, like it's kind of weird, you know, with the interaction, um, I have been doing outreach in, uh, uh, Vancouver and I was working residentially in Portland, but as a right kind of like looking into different, uh, doing different things, uh, outreach wise. Great. Keep going. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And more when, when travel opens up, you know, later on, with uh, then that's going to be, you know, something of its own. Yeah. Oh, for <laughs> sure. We'll definitely need probably as many people as we can to just be out and helping people. So, um, well, with that being said, do you have anything else you want to add or include? Any last minute words? Uh, no, I, I, I thank you for having me uh, just, you know, to speak and kind of people listening to kind of, you know, maybe you never know because somebody could be listening and it, it might start them on a journey, you know, it might light a, light a fire, you know, in them. So I really appreciate it because any kind of, uh, uh, you know, any kind of exposure is good. I really appreciate it. Of course. I, that's what I'm here for. This is the whole uh, goal with this show is to just spread the word on how to be better, how to do better, you know, and how to um, be compassionate and empathetic. So, um, yeah, thank you for your time. And that was amazing.